Hello everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier and welcome to episode 15 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. And I know it can be confusing uh, with the bonus series as well, but this is episode 15 of our uh, regular series, Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. Uh, we have a great show for you today. We have the radio voice of the Columbus Blue Jackets, Bob McElligot. Um, we talk about his career, um, the Blue Jackets, the exhibition game. Uh, that he broadcasted and how different it is from broadcasting from the arena to now a monitor. Uh, And then after uh, the interview, I'll talk about some NHL news. And since there's no QWHQ score recap uh, episode today, I will also be recapping the games that happened yesterday and previewing the games today um, in this episode. So a little bit of QWHQ score recap in our regular episode 15 today. Um, But without further ado, let's get you right into that interview with the Blue Jackets radio voice, Bob McElligant. Enjoy. The Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast is excited to welcome the radio voice, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before being with the Jackets, today's guest was the broadcaster uh, for the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, of the AHL. In addition to voicing the radio, today's guest hosts the CBJ and 30 podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Bob McElligot. Uh, Bob, thank you so much uh, for coming on the podcast today. Zach, thank you very much. Uh, You got me traveling in between things today, so I'm glad we were able to catch up and talk. Yeah, I'm glad. uh, Thank you so much, especially everything's getting really busy now. Um, During the pause, things were really quiet, but now, like you said, things have ramped up a lot. Uh, how busy have things been for you so far? And we're recording this on Friday, August 31st. So by the time this podcast released, there's already going to be the first qualifying game. So things are starting to ramp up here. Yeah, things have been ramping up uh, really with us for probably the last two weeks. Uh, I've been doing a lot of shows. I mean, throughout the entire pause, uh, we were still continuing to do shows. Maybe I was doing a couple of podcasts a week at a radio show. Of course, all of that was being done remotely. So, you know, just like you and I are talking right here, uh, it's become a way of life for me. But it really ramped up uh, leading up to the exhibition game against the Boston Bruins. Uh, All of a sudden, the shows went from two times a week to five times a week. And then they want to put in a playoff preview show. And then all of a sudden, there's a whole bunch of commercials for the radio broadcast that uh, people realize need recorded. And some of those have filtered down. So, look, I'm not not complaining. I still got the best job in the world. But things have gotten, uh, they've gotten pretty busy, and now the games are involved. But thankfully, the games are a break from all of that because the games are what we do this for. Yeah, so like I said, we're recording this before the qualifying round, uh, but you had a chance to call the Blue Jackets-Bruins exhibition game yesterday. Uh, This is the first time you've ever called a game off a monitor, and you're in two different cities. Uh, So how weird was that for you, and how did you adapt to make it work? It was really weird. Um, yeah. When you when you work for the team like I do, you're always inside the bubble, not the bubble they're in now. You're yeah. in that team bubble where, you know, you're always traveling with a team. You're on the flight with a team. You're in the hotel with a team. Uh, whether you're home or on the road, you're always around the players and the coaches, and, and you are looked at as just one of the guys. Uh, now, all of a sudden, you're not one of the guys. They are somewhere else. They're in another country. They are secluded there, and you are left here to call the games on a video monitor. So it really does take a lot of getting used to. Uh, The exhibition game that we did, there were some uh, technical flaws where 
I could hear the whistles in my headsets about eight to 10 seconds before play was stopping on the TV monitor. That was really weird. That was hard to deal with because, well, when it first happened, there was a whistle. So I, I thought the play was over. And then I looked at the screen in front of me and the play was still going on yeah. because there's a delay between all of this. And I was getting the raw feed, not the delay feed. Um, and the other thing was trying to see the, the scoreboard clock I could see on the one shot, but the penalty clock was so small and it was, it was impossible to read. Uh, we got that all worked out by the time the first period ended. So once the second period started, it was, uh, it was much better, but it's still not like being there. And how did you, like for the next broadcast uh, that we're going to hear on the radio on Sunday, uh, what are you going to do differently? And was, was it smooth as the game went on or what did you like and what did you li not like? And how are you going to change on that? Uh, to well, make I was hoping, oh, I'm sorry. I, I was hoping work, that yeah. the, yeah, I was hoping that the one shot that we get of the entire ice where you can see all the players, I was hoping that that was going to be similar to what you see when you're at the building and you look out of the press box anyway. Yeah. And it is, but it's a little bit further away, and it's you, you can't see the numbers as clearly. At least I couldn't on the screen that I had for the one game that I've done to this point. So um, I learned to get away from that screen and get more to the, the TV broadcast screen, utilizing that the overall view for things like uh, watching when guys come out of the penalty box, uh, watching when there are line changes. If you're watching the regular TV and the team gets to the red line and there's a tight shot and they fire the puck in, I can look at the other monitor to confirm what I already think is that they're making a line change. You can see the guys going to the bench. So um, I, I think the only changes are now I know what I can rely upon a little bit more. I know where I know where I've got to stay. I know what has to be the primary focus and where the secondary focus is, which is exactly opposite of what I thought it was going to be before I did a game. And what, besides uh, the broadcast itself, how did that day look for you? And how different was it from a regular game day? Um, because there's not you. Every Blue Jackets practice now, since it's in the bubble, you can't watch for the lines. You can't watch that morning skate. You can't do uh, many different things. So what did that game day look like for you compared to a regular one? Yeah, well, you're right. It was completely different. Um, now, I had done my coach's interview with John Tortorella the, the day before. So uh, I was kind of done with that. I, to, be on, to be completely 100% honest with you, I'll tell you what I did on that exhibition game day. Um, my son is in a baseball tournament, and he had two games. He had one at 9 o'clock in the morning. He had one at one thirty in the afternoon uh, because we already knew who we were playing and all that, and I had the game notes. I got the game notes on Wednesday. I did my interview with John Tortorella on Wednesday uh, for our pregame. I already had that done. I, I had everything done. So that day I was at a baseball field at 9 o'clock. My son and I went and had lunch in between games. I went to another game. At 1.30, uh, I went back home, I cleaned up, and, and I went to the arena. So it was, it was totally unlike a game day. Yeah. <laughs> but, it was, but it was completely like a normal day in late July that I'm used yeah. to in the summer. Yeah. So, except there was the hockey game at the end. Yeah. No, I know, uh, you know, I'm sitting outside during the day, brought a TV out, enjoying watching all the games, uh, Blue Jackets or not. And so uh, definitely weird to have hockey around uh, in July in – what did you see in the game specifically? Uh, we'll get to the rest of the game and everything like that. Um, but there is hockey in July now. And we saw the puck bouncing a little bit last night. Do you think that this humidity and this heat has made a big change 
uh, in the games with the with the puck and everything bouncing? And if it is, do you think that's going to impact the games at all? It probably is. I don't know to what extent. Uh, you know, that's that's another drawback from not being with the team and being with the players because you can go up and ask those questions and, yeah. and you know they'll they'll give you that honest answer right then and there. But look, let, let's be honest. It's just what you said. It's late July. We're going into August. There's a lot of humidity. Uh, I don't care where you are. It's going to be hard to have the ice the same way it is during the regular season uh, where you're playing. So uh, even in Edmonton, which I didn't even know that they didn't yeah. have snow year round. I, I thought <laughs> that was just a yeah. rite of passage. But um, but I think it will bounce a little bit and it will affect the games a little bit. But I also think the athletes in this game are so good that they will uh, make adjustments accordingly and, and keep that as much to a minimum as they can. And, and really, I guess now that I think about it too, I don't know how much difference it is from when you play. I remember we, we played in, uh, I think it was in Boston earlier this year where there was an afternoon basketball game and then we played yeah. at night or maybe it was Madison Square Garden that that happened. Anyway, um, you know, a lot of times you get those situations where the NBA plays before you do and the puck doesn't react the same way as it normally would. So uh, it's not that they haven't dealt with it before and they're just going to have to adjust. And imagine if the hub city was in Las Vegas. I mean, that that would have been even hotter and more humid. Uh, so I, I just couldn't imagine that there. Maybe the ice would have been like they would have been playing in soup instead of instead <laughs> of ice at that point. No, no. So in Vegas, they would have imported an actual glacier if they had to yeah. and put it yeah. in there because they have the money to do all that, Zach. They would have paid whatever it takes to get the ice to where it needed to be in Vegas. Yeah, and uh, now let's uh, move on. We'll talk. What did you like about the game last night? I know it was an exhibition game between the Blue Jackets and Boston, um, so it didn't count for anything. But in preparation for uh, the qualifying round, what did you like about that exhibition game? The Blue Jackets won four to one against the best team uh, in the league before the season ended. I don't know if that's new. If if you're waking up from last year when when Tampa came, because the Blue Jackets are known to do that now. So what did you like about this game, and what, what can the Blue Jackets improve upon even more? Well, what I saw in that game was uh, very similar to, you bring up the Tampa series, I, th I think you have to. Uh, you know, Tampa had a lot of good, talented forwards, and that's the exact same thing that the Toronto Maple Leafs bring. They have uh, a yeah. lot of great forwards. The Blue Jackets are going to have to find a way to neutralize. So what I saw in that game against Boston was the Blue Jackets trying to put their team game together and play that way, trying to pack it in in front of the goaltender, block shots, all the things they're going to have to do uh, to be successful against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And was it perfect? No, it wasn't perfect. But I think it was certainly a step in the right direction in a game that really didn't have any meaning except to mm -hmm. get ready to start this elimination series next. And what about those two goaltenders, Elvis Merzlikens, Corpus Allo? Uh By the time this episode is released, we'll find out who uh, is going to be in net. But who do you think should uh, be in net after watching last night's game? Um, well, I, it's not just last night's game for me. It's um, I think Corpus Allo is a veteran guy. I, I, he's been very important to this team. He's been a team guy. When Sergei Bobrovsky was here, uh, he knew his role. He played his role well. He gets a chance to be the starter this year for the first time at the beginning of the season, and he is an NHL All-Star. But then he got hurt, and he didn't get to play in that All-Star game. And then you had Elvis Merzlikens, who was 0-7 when uh, Corpus Allo got hurt. Zach, I told people, 
when that happened, I said, we are either going to be telling an incredible story by the end of the year, or we're going to be playing for the first round pick. And as well, it turns you, out, it's both. We can do both. It's, yeah. 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 It's both. It's both. Yeah. It's funny how it works. But um, I like Jonas. I mean, I've been around him more. He, he's got more NHL experience. I, I, I just like the team guy that he is. So if it were my decision, I would start him. I would also do it with a very short leash because you can, because you have two guys that uh, throughout mm-hmm. the course of the season uh, played extremely well. And I think uh, no matter which one ends up getting the start, I think it's going to be a short leash for either one of them. But, um, you know, John Tortorella also likes to to throw young guys into playoff situations and see how they perform. So um, if he has decided to go with Elvis, it wouldn't shock me either. And when you're talking about the short leash, in a best-of-five series, the leash has to be short with not just your goaltenders but any player because if you lose that first game, you're already down in the series big time uh, because if you lose that next one uh, – you're one game away from going home. Now, fill in this blank for me. The Blue Jackets need to blank to beat the Leafs. Scoring. <laughs> and that's any game. But for this Blue Jackets team, that is not their forte. They are, they're not good at putting the puck in the net. They are a, a grinded-out, two-to-one winner type of a team. Uh, so they need scoring, especially when you're going up against a team that can routinely score four or five a game. Uh, you know, that's why you need the good goaltending in this series. And why you need a good team defense because the Blue Jackets are not built for five to four games. They're built mm-hmm. for the two to one games. They're built for the one to nothing games. Uh, so uh, they need scoring if they want to win this. Simple as that. And where do you think that scoring could come from? Well, I think it could come from a couple of places. Uh, first of all, Alexander Texier is a player who last year came on the scene with two games left in the regular season, scored his first Stanley Cup playoff goal against Tampa. And he started this season well, and then he got hurt. And it was a, it was a big injury. It was a back injury. It was basically a broken back. So mm-hmm. he's been out for months. And I forgot how good he looks and how good he can be until he was skating in the scrimmage games uh, right before the team left to go to Toronto. Uh, he's got a lot of upside, this kid. Uh, but it, if you want to come down to the veteran guy that has to make sure that this team scores that, without question, is Cam Atkinson. I think there's a lot riding on Cam's shoulders in this series and in this playoffs because uh, he's a guy that he's always been there. He's always been benefiting. He played with Artemi Panera in the last two years. Pretty easy to play and score goals when you're with a guy like that. Yeah. He needs to be more of a lead guy. Uh, I think they really need him to be that in this series. So, um, you know, Texier, he's, he's got promise. Uh, you've got, you know, Alexander Winberg is a guy that's supposed to score, uh, score points and really hasn't consistently, but, if he comes alive, he's a factor. But, you know, for me, when you're looking for veteran guys to lead the way, and Cam Atkinson has got to be number one on that list. And I also thought uh, in last night's game, uh, I'm, I've am i been watching every uh, exhibition game. I think uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois also looked uh, pretty good uh, with his skating. And he had he had some tur- – he gave – he took some turnovers. Uh, he got the puck uh, – from Boston. So I think he looked pretty good. Uh, but now let's put the qualifying series aside for a second. And have you had a chance to talk? Uh, you said you talked to Tortorella, but have you had some chance to talk to the players? And if so, uh, what have they had to say about the bubble? I know you're not there, but what has it, what have they said it's been like? I have talked to a couple of them in the first couple of days. So by the time this runs, they'll actually be allowed to interact with players on other teams. Yeah. Uh, they, they haven't been in the early days of it. So um, 
they've been fine. Uh, it's just, uh, as they said to me, it's just like a regular road trip in the first couple of days. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the focus is hockey. They know it's the playoffs and the focus is always hockey first in the playoffs, even when you're in a city for three or four days. Um, so they understand all of that. Uh, just the, you know, the differences for them that they've relayed to me is, you know, you know where you're allowed to go for dinner and when you can go certain places, you have to have your mask on pretty much anywhere unless you're in your hotel room by yourself. Uh, there are people that are there walking the halls and forcing that kind of stuff too. Mm-hmm. So that, that's been the biggest thing. Uh, most of it is, is kind of normal, but then the other parts like the mask part obviously is not normal. But, it, you know, at this point when I talk to them, it's only a couple of days in. I think for every team, uh, the teams that win, the teams that continue on, the deeper they get into this, the bigger mental hurdle it is yeah. going to be to win the whole thing. Because even if you make it to the Stanley Cup finals uh, or you just make it to the conference finals, families are only allowed to meet you in Edmonton when the conference finals start. Uh, so that's still a month or so away. Uh, so it's a long time with your without your family, uh, especially with players that ha- are newly wed or they have new kids. Uh, that were new newborns, um, but what about the? Have they talked about the lifestyle, the food, like that? What what people would say as the fun stuff? I mean, you're seeing some videos circling around Twitter, but I mean, the, the NHL saying 14 restaurants in each city and things like that. So, uh, what have they had to say about that as well? Yeah, they uh, they haven't said anything bad about the food. I guess the NHL did a great job in picking the 14 restaurants. Yeah. So um, they're okay with that. Golf simulator has been a big thing that they've talked about. Okay. Uh, they yeah. have a golf simulator on their floor, and that is uh, that seems to be a big hub of things. And in fact, I talked with Zach Wierenski about uh, biggest team competitions. You know, what are the things that you guys are going to go head to head outside of the games? And uh, the two things were golf simulator and video games. So that's yeah. uh, that's what they're doing. I know a lot of guys took their consoles and their monitors and. Uh, even I spoke with Riley Nash, who would be considered an older guy on this team, and he told me that he started to get into gaming in the last couple of weeks because he knew darn well that his teammates were going to be doing it when they got to the yeah. bubble. And I have one other question regarding the bubble um, because we saw a few teams do this, and I don't know if you've been able to see what the Blue Jackets floor has been like, um, but do you have a sense that they did what the Maple Leafs and the Habs did with decorating the floor with any Blue Jacket stuff, or do you not know? I do know. I talked to Seth Jones about this, and uh, they do not have the decals and decorations like uh, the Leafs do. Because I, I said to Seth, I go, "What is? It? I thought there was supposed to be no home ice advantage. Why do they have all the decals and you guys don't?" Um, but uh, no, he doesn't. They're, he said they're just, they're just plain Jane in it, if you will. I mean, they're just going about it like a regular yeah. hotel. They, they don't have any of the frills, as he said, and I try to compare it to him. Um, you know, my son played travel hockey, and I know in the, at the young ages, you know, they, they have signs on the doors with the players' names and the numbers. The moms do a good job of doing all that stuff. So uh, that we were speculating if it was the Maple Leafs moms that actually decorated <laughs> their floor. Yeah. But, uh, but he said, no, they don't, they don't have anything that looks like that. Yeah, the only uh, – I think I saw Toronto, Montreal, Calgary – and maybe Vancouver, I think. I'm not what, exactly now what, sure. Now, what do all those things have in common, Zach? All those teams, what do they have in common? They're all Canadian. They're all Canadian teams. Yeah. That's right. They're, they're, they're cheering for – like, I think the Blue Jackets are saying, we don't need decals to beat you. Yeah. So we're just going to beat you as plain as we can. 
And I, I wonder what coach uh, maybe put that into their minds. Uh, <laughs> so uh, now let's uh, go to your career specifically. Uh, tell me about your time with the Crunch and your journey uh, and how you got to the Jackets where you are today. Uh, well, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but my journey started as a mascot in the East Coast, East Coast Hockey League. Oh, did not that know my, that. That I'm is my first. as a mascot, okay. That is right. That was my what first you, job uh, in professional okay. sports. I was a dog. A dog. A dog. Okay. There's the uh, the movie Slapshot, the iconic hockey movie Slapshot. Yep. There is a scene uh, where there is uh, in the downtown, it's called Charleston in the movie. It's actually Johnstown, Pennsylvania. Uh, a scene in a park downtown where there's a statue of a dog, and the legend is it saved people from the Great Flood. Uh, that's what the mascot was modeled after. So okay. uh, I was the iron dog. So you can mark that down, Zach. You can use that for trivia anytime you want to. Okay. Um, for mascot but, uh, to broadcaster. Mascot to broadcaster. Or as I say, when I am talking to groups, uh, I went from the job where you're not allowed to speak to the job where all you do is speak for the yep. same team, actually. Yep. But, but that's how I got a foot in the door. And I, I got that job when I was just working part-time radio and, and keeping other jobs so that I could pay my bills. And then I got an opportunity to go work in minor league baseball. Uh, that job was a seasonal job. So when September rolled around, I was out of work. Mm -hmm. And the owner of the hockey team wanted me to come back and be the mascot again. So I told him I needed a full-time job. And he made me the director of group ticket sales. So during the day, I would make calls and and try to get groups of 10 or more to buy tickets at a discounted rate. And then uh, at night, I would, game nights, I would be the mascot. So um, that's, uh, that's really how it all started, uh, right then and there. And then, um, you know, I, it, through those contacts, when the hockey job, the radio job, sorry, came open with the team in Johnstown, uh, the guy that was there, his name is Greg DeVito. He's, he's out of the game right now, which I, I hate because he helped me. Basically, I'm living his, his life. I thought I was going to be a Major League Baseball broadcaster. He wanted to be an NHL broadcaster. Lo and behold, uh, he helped me get into hockey as a broadcaster, and I'm in the NHL. But uh, because he let me do color on high school games and then eventually with him with the Chiefs through those connections, when he went to the American Hockey League, I got a chance to take that job. So I was there for two years. Uh, wound up applying for the job in Syracuse in the American Hockey League, which I didn't feel that I was really qualified for. I didn't feel like I had been in hockey long enough, but they thought differently. And I went there and I spent 10 years in Syracuse, and we were affiliated with the Blue Jackets for nine of those years. And when there was an opening in Columbus again because of the contacts I'd made and the job that I did and the things I did for Columbus covering uh, the minor league team to to send up here uh, for them to play on the radio network, that all worked into me uh, getting an opportunity. And trivia, this is, uh, if you were talking about some trivia, uh, this is actually the second uh, Syracuse broad broadcaster that we've had. Uh, we had uh, Dan Duva, who also did the radio for Syracuse. Um, but what, what did there's another, here's it, here, this will get you. This is a true story. On the day you were talking to me, I just spoke with Dan Duva not that long ago, and we, and we talked okay. for about an hour. So, um, we still have the connection. We didn't work together there, obviously, yeah. but we still have the connection. Yeah. He told me uh, after the interview that he, when he came on my podcast, that he knew you. Um, so what did that whole process from going to the mascot all the way to where you are now, not just doing the radio, um, but doing those pre preview games, uh, preview shows with the Jackets, doing the podcast, uh, 
I mean, now you're really busy. Uh, you you wanted you wanted a full time job uh, when you were at that mascot. Now you got a a really busy full time job. Uh, so what lessons did you learn throughout that whole process? And especially for people that are are, are wanting to be in the broadcast business, but also for people that can apply to anything in life. Well, I'm glad you asked that because it's the same thing. Here's what I found out. You got to work hard. Yeah. No matter what it is you're doing, you've got to work hard. Number two, you have to treat people the right way. And to me, those two building blocks set you in the direction that you want to go, no matter what it is that you're doing. I mean, you know, people want to be around other good people. People want to be around people they enjoy spending time with, no matter what their job is. So um, you got to remember that. And look, I have a dream job and I am living a dream job and, and I appreciate that. I don't appreciate it 24 seven because there's still some aspects of it, Zach, that are a job. Yeah. And there are still some things that bother me just like anybody else in whatever job that they have. But at the end of the day, I do a reality check and I go, man, look where you are. are you, you were a mascot once upon a time, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you stunk like sweat at the end of the hockey game, and now you just yeah. roll out of there, loosen your tie, and, you know, enjoy yourself. So, um, but, but that's really the thing, and, and I can see that you're a hard worker. I mean, you're doing this, so you, yeah. have, a, you have a love and you have a passion, and you've got to embrace that. And, and another thing is, I'll tell this to, this doesn't just apply to broadcasters, but it kind of does in this way. Don't let people deter you from what you want to do. I mean, I had people that told me, nah, you're never going to get anywhere with that. You know, that's a fun little side job. and You could do that part-time, but, you know, you, come on, you got to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And I didn't listen to those people, and some of them were very close to me. Uh, but I couldn't because I didn't enjoy doing anything else. I love doing this. I love being around the people that I'm around uh, because I get to do this. I get to do some great things. I get to see some places that I never would have seen in my life. Um, you know, I, I truly am blessed and I, and I know that. And again, there's some days I forget, I've got to yeah. remind myself, but it, it's, it's the hard work and it's just, uh, you know, treating people the right way. I really believe that whatever it is that you're going to do in life, if you follow those two things, uh, I think you're going to work out just fine. And the other thing I would add to that, uh, through hearing your whole story is also, uh, the connections, it seemed you kept on talking about the people you knew and how to get to the Blue Jackets as well. Um, so I think that's something important uh, in addition to that. But, you know, I, I wasn't planning on asking any of these questions now, but I have to ask it because you were talking about the mascot. No one knows what goes in that life. And you were talking about the sweat after a game. Do they wash those? Does it get washed? <laughs> yeah. They, uh, yeah, I had to wash it when I was there. or. Okay. I would either have to take it home and wash it or I would have to give it to the equipment guy and the equipment guy was kind of, and, and ironically, here's another thing. We're, and we're talking about connections. Dana Heinze was the equipment man in Johnstown once upon a time. He is now the equipment man for the Pittsburgh Penguins. So I still, <laughs> I've worked with him in a couple yeah. of roles and, and I still see him everywhere. And um, the connection thing, I also want to tell you this. Um, I, to me, connections is important in, in how you make them. Because there are some people that go out and, and they're so worried about making connections and networking and, and it's not 100% genuine. And I, I just mean they're, they're trying to get to know people and, and kind of use those people. Look, the connections that I have is just from having talks and 
just shooting the breeze, kind of, you know? I mean, you and I are having this conversation. If you were to call me sometime in the future because you have an opportunity to do something and you wanted me to, to uh, speak to somebody about your broadcasting, even though this is my only experience with you as a broadcaster, mm-hmm. I, I would do that because yeah. we're having a good conversation and, and you seem like a good, hardworking, down-to-earth guy, mm-hmm. and, and that's what I would relate. So, um, you know, I, to me, that's how you make connections. You do it by being yourself and, and showing people uh, that you work hard. And you, Like when I'm making connections, I'm not, just going, I'm not trying to get to know somebody because I want to get to know yeah, I, I try to get to know them because I'm interested in them as a person, not necessarily the position they have. Look, if the position somehow benefits me down the road, uh, great. But first and foremost, I, I want to get to know them for them. Yeah, and I think that's really important. And now let's talk about after you finally got to the Blue Jackets, you've been with them for a while now. And I know everyone would, when I ask you now, your favorite memory with the Blue Jackets in the most interesting years, you're going to go probably to last year. Um, but what are some other times uh, that you've had some great memories with the team, whether that's on the ice or on a road trip or something like that? Well, to be honest, when I came in here, I thought I was coming in at the perfect time because the Blue Jackets had just made the playoffs for the first time in franchise history and played against Detroit. So I thought I was showing up in prime time. Now here comes playoff run after playoff run. And the second year I was here, the team finished dead last and had the first over – well, didn't have the first overall pick. They lost the lottery too. So um, that was like, wow, this is not what I thought I was signing up for right here. And not – you know, it was great being in the National Hockey League, but I thought they were turning a corner. So – Yes, last year is, because of what happened, it, it's got to be the greatest moment, at least for now. And, and hopefully there are better moments. But I'll be honest with you. I remember being in Pittsburgh, uh, playing in the playoffs, and Matt Calvert scoring an overtime goal, and that being the first playoff win in franchise history. And that was pretty special. And it was special because they had never done it before as a franchise. And it was special because it happened in Pittsburgh. Um, I mean, I was born in Pittsburgh. Yeah. and grew up an hour outside of Pittsburgh. And uh, the Penguins were my team for like 40 years of my life. And um, to go in there and watch your team win and win in overtime in an exciting fashion and and kind of, and finally get over that hump of never having won a game in the playoffs, having lost, you know, five straight playoff games, mm-hmm. uh, and having a couple of years go in between playing against Detroit in the first appearance and playing against Pittsburgh in the second one, uh, that is a that's a big moment for me that I will I will always remember. I always remember that feeling. I always remember Matt Calvert's face when he scored that goal, and I always remember walking out of that building with my head held high, proud because many times I've left that building, Zach, where I was not in the greatest of moods, but that yeah. day I was in a great mood. Yeah, and uh, I let we'll see uh, what happens this year, and maybe there'll be more memories, and especially. Even if they win or lose, uh, you're already going to remember this season definitely. Uh, I, I think uh, 20, 30 years from now, uh, anyone will remember this season in 2020 at all uh, because what a memorable year it's been. Uh, but I think let's go back to hockey for a second um, because when we're talking about memories in this year, whether it's the Blue Jackets that hoist the cup or the Bruins or the Golden Knights or any team 
in the league. Looking 20 years from now, is that a legitimate Stanley Cup champion? Yes, no doubt. And I have no hesitation on saying yes because this cup is going to be harder to win than any other cup in my I opinion. would agree with you. Yep. And first of all, if a qualifying team wins it, they will have to win 19 games, not 16 games to win it. All right? Yep. So that's first and foremost. Uh, secondly, even if you're one of those top four seeds, you had your season end for four and a half months. You had to come in. You had to play a qualifying uh, or a round-robin tournament just to, to get your seeding. You had to play more games, and it is tougher. And you have to do it in a bubble. You have to do it with no fans, so there, you have to create your own energy, your own electricity. And as we said, the deeper you go, the more of a mental game it's going to be mm -hmm. to stay engaged and continue to win. And even if you do win the Stanley Cup, Zach, are you going to get to have a parade with your fans? Probably not. Probably so not. So even after all of that, it's yeah. still going to suck at the very end, right? Yeah. Uh, I just can't imagine whichever fan base gets the Cup this year, I feel like it's going to be one that they're that they're like, out of all years that we had to win it, it had to be this year when we can't have a, a parade. I And as the, most of the people that would say that is someone who hasn't had a cup in a while or hasn't had a cup at all. They'll be like, the one year that we won, I can't go uh, be at the parade. Um, but now I, I asked Allison Lucan uh, from The Athletic, who covers the Blue Jackets, this question. And I, I'm interested uh, to hear about this as well because you talked to a lot of the players. You talked to John Tortorella. You talked to Yarmo. You talked to a lot of people. In your broadcasting career, who has been some of the most interesting people and most intriguing people that you have covered, whether that's a coach, a player, or anyone else on, on a team? Wow, that is a really good question. And you're going to make me think on this one. Um, some of, I'll tell you what's been some of the most interesting things for me is people that I grew up listening to, like a Mike Lang in Pittsburgh. Um, and then being in the same press box and, and doing the same job for another team and, and talking to him and being treated like a peer when I'm looking at him like he is the, the greatest thing that ever came down the yeah. line, right? Yeah. Uh, those, are, those are really neat experiences uh, for me. Uh, a couple of years ago, Wayne Gretzky was in our building. Yeah. And, uh, and I – he was doing a TV interview in the booth next to me. I'll be honest. I purposely made sure I walked out in the hallway at the same time he was coming out <laughs> yeah. because I, I wanted to meet him. And, and I did. And it was funny. I had my phone out and I talked to him and I met him. I told him my son had played in his hockey tournament and had met his father and all this. And it was very quick. And, and he turned, he started going down the, the hallway and he turned around and he, and he yelled back to me and he said, Bob, did you want to get a picture? And I was like, totally taken aback he goes well you had your phone out I thought and I went I said well I wasn't going to ask you for a picture but if you're going to offer to take the picture yeah I'm going to have that picture <laughs> yeah. right yeah. so um, then this went I think this was two years later and it this just happened last season uh, Wayne was back with Edmonton and I had my son my oldest son was with me in the building and I, I was in the midst of working getting interviews and he comes up to me and he goes dad was that Wayne Gretzky that just walked down the hallway and I said, yeah, well, probably was. He works for Edmonton. So um, so then Wayne was sitting up in the stands. I said to my son, do you want to meet him? 
And I took him up there and you know, Wayne didn't remember who I was and that was fine. I just re- reintroduced mm-hmm. myself and I introduced my son and uh, my son was telling him that he's a baseball player and Wayne, Wayne was a good baseball player, of course, and his son was a good baseball player. Yeah. So they started talking about baseball and I'll tell you what, to, I guess as I tell you that story to answer that question, maybe that was the most special moment for me because I got a chance to take my then 17-year-old son and introduce him to Wayne Gretzky. And I would never get to do that is just, you know, Joe Smith on the street. Yeah. And because of what I do, it, it put me in a special situation where I was able to, to pass that on to him. So, you know what? It actually – it meant more to me to introduce my son to Wayne Gretzky than to meet Wayne Gretzky, but please don't tell Wayne that. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and uh, I, I don't know if I'll ever uh, speak to Wayne Gretzky anyway, so I think you're okay with that. You should have him on the show. You definitely should have him on the show. If Look, if, if I can get Wayne Gretzky's phone number or email and contact him and have him on the show – I I can clear my whole schedule tomorrow, you know, um, but but yeah, I mean, if if I could get a Gretzky on my podcast, that I like, I just said, uh, I I would wipe everything off my schedule. I wouldn't have to, you know, but I uh, I don't know if that'll ever happen. But we'll see what happens uh, with this podcast. Um, but Bob, you might just be taken off with this thing, Zach. This might just be the beginning. I it, maybe it is. I we'll see. Hey, if if. <laughs> If in a if in a future episode uh, Wayne Gretzky does come on the podcast, I'll make sure I mention you then, uh, because you uh, called it right now. But and he'll yeah he'll say who are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, Bob, uh, one thing I did I like to do with uh play by play men uh, or women uh, when they come on the podcast is bring in a little bit of flair uh, from their podcast uh, from their. Uh, play-by-play. When we had Dan Duva on, he did a play-by-play of Marc-Andre Fleury scoring a goalie goal on the Blue Jackets. Okay? Now, think about what you would want to call. It can be on any team. It could be the Blue Jackets playing any team. Give me your best 10-15 second uh, play-by-play call you would want to do. Best 10, 15 second play by play call. Okay, I want to I want to look into the future here, and let's let's say this is the deciding game of this uh, series against the Blue Jackets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And Gus Nyquist has it inside of his own zone. Nyquist will bump it up to the blue line, and there it's on the stick of Cam Atkinson. Drop it back now for Zach Wierenski. Rush it into the zone. Zach's going to pull up inside the blue line. Back to Atkinson on the right wing side, centering pass. Pierre Luc Dubois. He shoots. And scores, and I got two words for you. Series over. Perfect. Good. Uh, maybe it could be two words for you. Series sweep. Uh, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that will happen. Um, but I mean, we'll see. Uh, it could be uh, two words for you. Stanley Cup. So I there. There's a lot I, of. I have a. Di- I have. I have a different one planned for that. If I ever have to use it, I'll just tell you. Okay. I'm not going to tell you what it no, is. No, you don't. If, if no, we get don't. there. If we get there, I already have a plan. I've had a plan for years. How many years? Three years. Three years you've had this plan. <laughs> ever, ever since I thought there was a legitimate shot to get there for the Blue Jackets. How's that? Okay, well, well, now, well, now we have another uh, – everyone listening has another reason uh, to, to cheer for the Blue Jackets now. <laughs> well, uh, Bob, thank you so much uh, for coming on uh, with your busy schedule. I really appreciate it. Uh, 
we'll see how the Blue Jackets do in this qualifying round and uh, maybe further on. Uh, and of course, if the Blue Jackets unfortunately don't make it past the qualifying round, uh, we'll of course see what happens um, with the draft lottery as well. Um, so, Bob, thank you so much uh, for coming on. And uh, do you have anything else to add about your podcast well, I, or anything like that? Oh, well, I mean, I guess I guess I am supposed to promote, right? I mean, we're all supposed yeah. to promote. My podcast yeah. is CBJ and 30. Uh, you know, you can find it on SoundCloud or wherever you get your podcast. I think we're on it all now. SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, yeah. YouTube, uh, iHeart, the whole, the whole nine years. You know how it yeah. is. You're a, you're a media yeah. guru yeah. guy, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my podcast right now I'm doing it five days a week. Um, you know, when the season's over, it'll, it'll probably go to sleep for a little bit, then come back. So, but you can always, you can always look for it there. Um, but, uh, I just want to tell you, it's a, it's been a very big pleasure to talk to you. And I mean that, I, I think you've done a great job. You, you researched and you, you had good questions and, uh, a good humor mixed in there too. I really appreciate that. So thank you for the invite. I'm glad to be on here, but, but Zach right now. Yeah, I've got two words for you. Interview over. Thank you, Bob. I uh, really appreciate that. Uh, stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, good luck in the future. Thanks. Take care. You too. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with the Columbus Blue Jackets radio voice, Bob McGilligan. And Bob, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it with your busy schedule. And to you, the listeners, I Really hope you enjoyed that. So now let's get into some NHL news before we preview the games that are happening today and recap the ones that happened yesterday. Um, there's a few things to talk about. Uh, today, when I am uh, recording the podcast, uh, we now know that throughout the time in the bubble so far up to this day, there have been zero positive tests in the bubble. And that is so fantastic news because now we know um that the bubble i i don't want to jinx it so but it is working it's working so far uh it's been five days so now players can technically mingle with other players from other teams they're gonna get that possibility to go to the restaurants whenever they want so that is so exciting and i can't wait for it honestly for everything to continue, what I've seen so far is, has been really exciting. The visuals uh, on the games have been great. Uh, the TV broadcasts have been great. And the fact that there's zero positive tests just shows that everything is working and that since there's no positive test, that means hockey can continue to be back. And I am just so, so excited for that. Uh, in some other NHL news, uh, we do like I talked about in the past few days. Tuka Rask um, have has missed some games, and Bruins coach Cassidy said that Tuka was feeling ill. He wasn't feeling up to it, but we do know that Rask does return to practice for the Bruins. So, and since we know that there's been no COVID nineteen test, we know that that illness is not COVID nineteen. So he is definitely okay. Um, so when will we see him in the, in the round robin? We don't know. Um, but I think Halak had a rough day, um, during that round robin game. So as soon as Tuka can come back, the better for the Boston Bruins. Uh, Patrice Bergeron was also ap absent on the practice, uh, 
Bruce Cassidy said Bergeron took a maintenance day and he's going to return today for practices. And some other things, uh, defenseman Dougie Hamilton did not play game two of the Stanley Cup qualifiers uh, against the New York Rangers. Uh, Coach Ron Brindamore said he skated today a little bit better, so we're getting close. Um, For the Philadelphia Flyers, um, Raffle will not play for the Flyers uh, against Washington on Thursday. Um, because he was injured during their round robin game, he could be out even longer. Um, Johnny Boychuk for the New York Islanders did not practice and is questionable uh, to play uh, today um, because of his. He got checked pretty hard during the last game, and uh, Coach Travis Green said there could be changes at forward uh, when the Canucks play the Minnesota Wild today. Um. And that is like injury and roster report news uh, for right now. Um, that's really all there is when it comes to things like that. Um, in other news, the hat trick that w- we're going to get into it uh, today uh, in a few minutes, but the hat trick that happened today for Shvetsnikov, that I, excuse me, that happened yesterday, was the first playoff hat trick in Whalers Carolina Hurricanes history. Um, in other news, Cagula was suspended one game for his actions in the qualifying round. He was suspended for a check to the head against an Edmonton Oilers player. And uh, also to note, Craft Hockeyville Canada announces their top four communities. Pensa, Saskatchewan, St. Flachane, uh, Quebec, Tyne Valley, Prince Edward Island, uh, Toolingate, Newfoundland and Labrador. Um, in other news as well, um, in the first game against Edmonton and Chicago, Mount D- uh, Matt Dumba of the Minnesota Wild knelt during the U.S. National Anthem Saturday after vowing that the NHL and the NHL Hockey Diversity Alliance will stand up for justice and against racism. Um, and he had a powerful speech there, and he started to play as well uh, for the Minnesota Wild, and he raised his fist in the during the Minnesota Wild games. Um, but other than that, there's not much NHL news besides life in the bubble. Uh, I recommend following the different accounts on Twitter to see uh, different things that are going on in the bubble. Things look nice. Uh, in Toronto, they're using BMO Field a lot. Uh, restaurants are open. Tim Hortons is being used a lot. Uh, people are using the pools. It, it looks like in a nice time, everyone's using, of course, the golf simulators. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens here. And as you get into the playoffs and get further in after the two weeks, there's going to be excursions as well. Um, but like I said, that's all the NHL news there is. And now we're going to get into... We're going to recap the games that happened yesterday and preview the games that are happening today. It's going to be way shorter than a QWHU score recap episode because uh, this we don't want to make this episode too long. Um, but, you know, uh, we still got to recap and preview the game. So here's a little QWHU score recap inside a Quarantine Hockey HQ episode. Enjoy. All right, it is now time for a QLHU score recap inside a regular Quarantine Hockey HQ episode. And uh, it's going to be shorter uh, than most episodes because um, 
this episode is already long, so we don't want to make this cute OSU score recap too long. But let's get started with the first game that happened today. It was another noon game of New York for Rangers versus Carolina Hurricanes. Shots on goal wise was 34 to 24 in favor of Carolina. Each team uh, was one for four on the power play. And then uh, 16 seconds into the game, New York takes a takes a crush check penalty. So they took a lot of penalties last game, and they're back to what they did uh, the game before. Right. And then Svechnikov, he scores with a shot under Lundqvist's arm at 4-32 in the first period. Um, so things are starting to go back in the Carolina Hurricanes' favor. And then at, at 120 and. There was a five-on-three power play for the New York Rangers. It was a minute and 20 seconds. There was a post shot. Uh, it hit the post. And then Artemi Panarin uh, got a pass from Strom. Uh, it was a fantastic pass from one side of the net to the other. Panarin got the, got it in time. Uh, there was space. The net had a, a gaping open spot. And uh, it was backdoor. Artemi Panarin shot it. And at 12.05... That was the power play goal for the Rangers, and it was their only game goal for the game. You th- you would think after Panarin got that goal, that the stars got the goal, the stars of the of the team got the goal, that they would be able to get going. Uh, but they ultimately never did uh, for the New York Rangers. But the Carolina Hurricanes definitely did. Um, at one eleven in the second period, Svechnikov scored a power play goal off the faceoff. He shoots it from the point, uh, and he scores. That is his second of the game, and keep note of that. Um, and then there was a rebound pass, and it was right to Marnson um, of the Carolina Hurricanes. That was at 2.22 in the second, so just a minute and 11 seconds after the first goal of by Svechnikov. The Hurricanes score again, and now they're up 3-1. Um, to one. Then the third goal is... Well, we'll find out here in a second. Um, but after that goal from Martinson, uh, New York takes a timeout after that goal to slow things down because they were really losing um, track of this game. Um, but then at 14.02 in the, in the second, uh, there was Ajo. Sebastian Ajo, Svechnikov's partner in crime, had the puck. He passed it to Svechnikov. Svechnikov shoots and he scores. And he got a hat trick. The first hat-trick in the bubble, there were no hats, unfortunately, but Svechnikov got a hat-trick. It was the first postseason hat-trick ever in Carolina Hurricanes and Whalers franchise history. So just a fantastic goal. He led them to a 4-1 victory. Um, There was a fight at 5.54 left in the game between Marnook and uh, D'Angelo. Um, and New York couldn't get going at all. Their offense was quiet. Their first period was good, but they couldn't get momentum. Um, and they're in trouble now today. Uh, I'll talk about it later in the preview. But they're now down in the series 2-0. The quick turnaround, they have to play today to fight to not go home. Um, because if they are, if they lose tonight, they're going home. Um, they're one loss away from going home and losing this series so they can't really even practice because it's a back-to-back so they're gonna have to really work on that 
Quotes-wise, uh, Andrei Svechnikov, who scored the hat-trick, said, I'm excited to score my first hat-trick, especially on a superstar goalie, uh, referring to Lundqvist. I mean, I wouldn't do that without my partner. Thanks for that. I think we played a really good game. Now, the next quote, the next quote that we have is from the coach, David Quinn of the New York Rangers. Give them credit. They're playing smart hockey. They're playing experienced playoff hockey. Between now and tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, we have to learn we can't keep shooting ourselves in the foot. I mean, our lack of patience is killing us right now. Was it better than it was the other day? Yeah. Yeah, it was. But we didn't come here to get incrementally better. We came here to win hockey games, and we're not doing enough. We need everyone in that room to be a little bit smarter, a little bit more patient, work a little harder, win more wall battles. All these things add up. So like David Quinn says, they have a lot of work to do, and we'll see how they perform tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Next game was the Winnipeg Jets versus the uh, Calgary Flames. We knew with this game, things were going to have to change for the Winnipeg Jets. They lost three players in that first game, uh, so they were down. um, And not just three players, three really good players, Shifley and line aid to just name two of the three um so they didn't really have their offensive power and since they're playing again today they had if they would have lost yesterday's game if shifley and line a come back in today's game they would have been in a really really tough spot now we know that at least there's going to be a game four and hopefully shifley and line a can come back for at least game four maybe they'll come back tonight but we don't know um but Anyway, Winnipeg really need to win this game so they wouldn't go down in a 2-0 hole. And they delivered. Even though they didn't have their star fo- uh, their star power, they won the game 3-2. Uh, it was 30-26 to shots on goal in favor of Calgary, however. Winnipeg was 1-for-6 on the power play. Calgary was over 6 They're going to have to work on their power play there. We first start at 7-18 in the first. Jansen Harkins, who's not usually in the lineup uh, because... I, again, there was injury, so he came in. He shoots from a distance. He gets it past Talbot. The Winnipeg Jets are now one, winning 1-0, and Winnipeg starts to look strong. It was a hard physical game. It was a tight game. There was a lot of pushing and shoving. Pushing and shoving. Uh, Hellebuck was looking really good today. Um, and then uh, there was a 5-on-5 five five goal for Lowry, who bats down the puck after a rebound. And now the Jets are up. 2-0 with 5.43 in the second period into the game. And then Lindholm for the Calgary Flames with a shot through some traffic. It goes in 11.29 in the second period. It is now 2-1. to one. So things are starting to get a little, a little scary here. And then uh, Bennett for the Calgary Flames again. At 7.29 in the second period, he has a wraparound. It bounces off of Winnipeg. Jeff skate, and it goes five-hole through Hellebuck. Now it's 2-2. Two to two. And the third peri- the second period ends, and now we go into the third period. And at 10.24 in the third period, Pionk shoots the puck for the Winnipeg Jets. Ellers with a perfect redirection, a power play goal. The Winnipeg Jets... Um, they get the goal, they score, they lead the game 3-2, um, and then there was a, they pulled their goalie, the Calgary Flames, they couldn't convert, the Flames got, couldn't get anywhere, and the Winnipeg Jets tie the game, and 
no tie the series one to one. They play again today to try and get that series lead. Now the next two were the round robin games. Um, I'm just gonna go through those quickly for you. It is it was three to two in favor of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Final shootout. It went into a shootout. Shots on goal wise, thirty three to twenty eight in favor of the Capitals. Washington was one for four. Tampa on the power play, and Tampa was 0-for-0. There were no power play chances for Tampa, uh, so good for the Capitals for not giving them any of those chances. Uh, Kucherov has a snipe with a sharp angle. He beats Holpty at 12-53 in the first. Uh, Stevens uh, squeezes it through Holpty uh, after a shot in front, 7-48 in the second. Tampa's up to 0 now. Uh, Washington can't get the offense going, and Washington gets going at the bottom of the second. Painak tucks it in after it squeaks through Vasilevsky, uh, 17-24 in the second. Then Kuznetsov scores for the Capitals on a power play, 19-32 in the second. It goes to overtime. Washington had a breakaway, but they couldn't convert. Then it goes to a shootout. Hedman is shut down. Oshi dangles. He scores. Then point scores with nothing too fancy. Kuznetsov doesn't score. Kucherov scores, so now they're up two to one in the shootout, and then Backstrom tries um, to tie the shootout, but he cannot convert, and the Tampa Bay Lightning win that game. The other round robin game was the Vegas Golden Knights versus the Dallas Stars. Um, this game was pretty interesting. It was exciting. There was a lot of goals scored. The final score was 5-3 to three Dallas Stars, like I said. And Stevenson gets a pass from Carlson. He takes a shot far from Bishop. 104 in the first period. The Golden Knights are up. The Stars start to look good in the second period. Pavelski shoots and he hits Martinez of the Golden Knights. The puck goes in. 750 in the second. The game's tied. Now Alexiev went, goes bar down through traffic. 832 in the second. The Stars now lead the game. And the Vegas Golden Knights were starting to struggle in this period. They couldn't clear the puck. Perry scores off a power play uh, after a deflection, and they that was scored at 12:42 in the second. Now the Vegas Golden Knights come back in the third period. Mark Stone's covered, but he shoots. He hits the post on the blocker side. He scores 9:46 in the third. And then Riley Smith he tries to pass it to another player. It gets broken up. Schmidt gets the puck. He shoots it. He ties it. He ties the game. 3-3. to three. Fantastic goal. 11-15 in the third. Then Carrier, you have to watch this highlight. I, I just can't even describe it for you. Um, the puck hits the board. Carrier gets it. He goes between his legs, puts it in the goal. Uh, he scores. He leads the game for the Vegas Golden Knights. 14-47 in the third. And then uh, William Carlson, he scores the empty net goal. At 19-39 in the third to give the Golden Knights the final score of 5-3. to three. Um, shots on goal wise, 33 to 27 in favor of the Knights. Power play wise, one for one it was Dallas. And um, of course, the Golden Knights were 0 for 2, so they may have to work on that a little bit more. Then uh, we have the Montreal Canadiens versus the Pittsburgh Penguins. This was uh, an interesting game. Montreal was leading the series 1 to 0. Uh, shots on goal wise, it was. 38 to 27 in favor of the Penguins. Uh, so the Canadians were really outshot. Crosby dribbles. He scores uh, through five holes through Carey Price, four to 45 in the first period. Uh, power plays were not that great for Pittsburgh yet again today. Uh, Matt Murray looked pretty good. Uh, Malkin doesn't look like himself. Uh, but then at 14:31 in the third period, uh, Zucker was 
open backdoor. Price had no chance. He shoots it in. He makes it. And uh, now it is 2-0 in favor of the Montreal, of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Then Gaspier, Kokodiemi scores off the doorstep to squeak it past Murray between the post. And this was then at 17-50 in the third period. So now it's 2-1. Montreal Canadiens pull their goalie. And, but... Jake Gensel, he scores with an empty net goal, 19-50 in the third period. With the final score in the series is now tied, and um, I'm excited to watch Game 3 on Wednesday, again at 8 p.m. Now, the next game we didn't know was the were the Edmonton Oilers going to be able to come back um, after that tough Game 1 loss. And they delivered 6-3 was the final score in favor of the Edmonton Oilers. Shots on goal-wise, 35-26 in favor of the Oilers. First goal, Connor McDavid, uh, 19 seconds into the first. He scores a pretty nice goal. He went, McDavid had a fast shot. He buried it in. And just to know, for Edmonton, Koskinen uh, started instead of Smith. And then the second goal was Connor McDavid. He scores... Again, 4.05 in the first period. Uh, he scores a nice backhand. He goes in with speeds. He shoots and he scores. And then Patrick Kane gets it. He gets a pass from behind the net. Kane was open. He shoots quickly. And at 9.06 in the first period, it is now 2-1. to one. And then we go to the second period. Tyler Ennis, he has a nice goal. And he was alone. He shot it. He got a nice wrist shot. 1.44 into the second. And the game is now 3-1 to one in favor of the Oilers. Then, Kokio Keck. Uh, for the Chicago Blackhawks, 422 in the second. He gets a snapshot, 3-2 Edmonton, but Chicago is now within one. Then Mata for the Chicago Blackhawks, 15-13 in the second. He scores a nice wrist shot. Now the game is tied 3-3. But guess who comes back in clutch for the Oilers? Yes, Connor McDavid from Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He gets a nice pass. It was a power play goal, 17-10 into the second. Uh, in the second, uh, it was a nice wrist shot. He gets his hat trick goal, and there was one hat that was thrown onto the ice. Final score, uh, that was now 4-3. to three. Then James Neal comes in, 5-3 Edmonton now, with a wraparound goal, 7-25 in the third period. And then uh, Chason gets another goal. This was not an empty net shot. This was at 8.05 in the third period. The Edmonton Oilers won the game 6-3 as the final score. Now, that's all the games that happened uh, today, yesterday. And uh, make sure you uh, watch those games or you can listen to me. But now there are another six games today. And uh, let's get quickly to uh, the preview of those right now. There are six games happening today, and they are all... Uh, not ra- they're not round-robin games. They're all qualifying round games. We start at 12 p.m. with Game 2 of the New York Islanders and Florida Panthers game. New York Islanders will be... They lead the series 1-0. Um, I think this is going to be interesting. They've had two days in between the games. The Panthers have to work on their offense, and they I, I really think they have to get this first goal because when the Islanders get the first goal, they, they lock everything down and they win the game. So the key is get that first goal. We know Farm Love is going to be starting for the Islanders, and we know Bob's going to be starting for the Panthers. So, TBM, NBCSN, and of course, Sportsnet in Canada. Um, and that's going to be a fun game to watch. Then, um, we have the Coyotes and the Predators. That is at 2.30 p.m. 
of course, NHL.TV. It's going to be on NHL Network, and then uh, it's going to be joint in progress uh, at on NBCSN. And it's also going to be on Sportsnet, Coyotes, Predators, Arizona leads the series 1-0. I don't know. I Maybe they'll play Soros again today, but in my opinion, I would play Rene. Uh, definitely play Rene. Because um, he has that veteran experience. Um, the, the, the Predators have to get their offense going. The Coyotes looked pretty good last game. Uh, so it'll be exciting to see what happens in today's game. After that 2.30 game, we go to a matinee at 4 o'clock between the Montreal Canadian, uh, excuse me, the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Toronto Maple Leafs. This is going to be on NBCSN and, of course, on Sportsnet, NHL.TV, and, of course, in Columbus, the local broadcast of Fox Sports Ohio. Uh, this is going to be an interesting game. Columbus won this game. Last time, they lead the series 1-0. You're going to expect a big push from the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll see how the Blue Jackets can do and if they can still frustrate the the, uh, the Toronto offense after Toronto saw the first game and see how they played. Um, we'll see what happens here. Uh, it's going to be an exciting game for sure. Uh, we know most likely it's like a 90% chance that Corpus Allo after shutout will play again. And same with Freddie Anderson. Uh, he'll play again because Toronto doesn't really have another goalie they can start um the next game after that after that 4 p.m game is 6 45 NHL network and Sportsnet of course it's going to be joined in progress on NBCSN as well um that is the Flames and the Jets they played yesterday so this is their back-to-back game each team has a back-to-back game uh in the qualifying round the series is tied one to one again we don't know if Line A and Shifley can make it today um, but we know they're going to a game four. The Jets need to give them a chance to give their team a chance to get that series lead. So if Shifley and Line A can come back on game four, that they can help close out the series. Um, but they need to try as best they can. I think the Flames will be coming out. They didn't look that great yesterday. Uh, so I think maybe they'll come out flying even more today. Well, that will be a good game to watch, 6.45 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Then the next game is 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That is Game 3 of the Carolina Hurricanes and the New York Rangers, NBCSN, of course, on Sportsnet in Canada. Now, you know the Carolina Hurricanes lead this series 2-0. Expect desperation mode from the Rangers. I don't know if they'll win this game. Uh, They can be swept today, Uh, so desperation mode. Um, I don't think Lundqvist will play today. If Shosturkin will can play, he's definitely going to play. If not, I think they'll still put in Georgiev because, um, well, this is not looking good for them. Uh, they really need to get going. Um, and anything can help for the Rangers. A goaltender change anything because they need to get their momentum. Their stars have to play tonight. They have to actually play and score goals in order for the Rangers to still be alive tonight and for them not to be headed home in the next few days out of the bubble. Uh, then the final game that uh, today is at 10.45 p.m. That is the Wild and the Canucks. It is to 1-0. Minnesota leads the series. Expect a bigger push from the Canucks uh, today. Uh, Stalak is probably going to play again for the Wild. Um, but again, 
the Canucks really have to get out going today. Um, they didn't play such a great game last time, uh, so expect a bigger push from them today. And of course, uh, yes, we had a quarantine hockey episode today, but that doesn't mean that QAAC score recap won't be back tomorrow. Uh, it, of course, will be. We will recap all these six games and preview the other six games tomorrow uh, in the morning on QWHQ score recap. Uh, but that's all the recapping and previewing that there is today in the Quarantinaki HQ episode 15. And uh, now let's get you right into that outro. I hope you enjoyed that fantastic interview with the Blue Jackets radio voice, Baba Gelligat. And I also hope you enjoyed the NHL news. There's a lot happening in the bubble. And also, I hope you enjoyed uh, the recapping and previewing that happened in today's episode, QWHQ School Recap in a regular Quarantine Hockey HQ episode. Uh, I've really enjoyed doing the QWHQ School Recap, and uh, there's a lot of games still going on. Uh, and today is August 4th, um, but on August 5th, there's so many games as well. So, um, you know, let's see what happens here and uh, make sure you listen to us tomorrow on QWHQ Score Recap, uh, which will be released on August 5th in the morning. Uh, make sure you also follow us on social media on Twitter at HockeyHQ Podcast and Instagram and Facebook at Quarantine Hockey. HQ. Also, send us a message or listen to us on anchor.fm slash quarantine hockey HQ. Um, like I said, I'll, we'll be back uh, next week for a regular episode, uh, Quarantine Hockey HQ episode 16. We will be recapping everything that happened in the qualifying round with uh, Dave Gosher. We previewed the round with the qualifying round with him, and he's going to recap them with us again. Uh, so I'm excited for that. But until then, QWHQ score recap uh, continues tomorrow. And uh, that's it. Uh, my name is Zachary Rodier. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, we'll catch you tomorrow on QWHQ score recap. Thanks.